The information you want, the information you need on your Tri-Cities Morning News. Good Friday morning, November the 5th. To you, you're listening to the Kona News Podcast, an abridged version of what you hear on the Tri-Cities Morning News weekdays on News Radio 610 KONA. We'll start with our usual assortment of top local and regional stories here in the Pacific Northwest. I'm Derek Maselli. And I'm Glenn Vaughan. Too close for comfort. A car slammed into a gas pump at a station off Clearwater and Kellogg in Kennewick yesterday morning, igniting a fire. Fortunately, we had a attendant that was on site, one of the, the gas station and convenience store attendants, that took quick action, uh, shut off the fuel to the gas pump, which was, was really great. Kennewick Fire Chief Chad Michael says the employees' quick thinking probably kept the fire from getting any bigger. Thankfully, nobody was hurt. Police say a woman driving a white sedan was later taken into custody as a suspect in what's being described as a hit and run. Highway 28 back open after a deadly crash closed parts of the roadway for several hours on Wednesday. The state patrol says a 34-year-old Rock Island man was eastbound when the wreck went down. The Taurus left the roadway to the right. The driver overcorrected. The vehicle ended up sliding sideways crossing the center line into oncoming traffic. The Tacoma struck the Taurus on the passenger side, and both vehicles ended up stopped in the westbound ditch. Trooper John Bryant says 34-year-old Sheldon Tubbs was pronounced dead at the scene, while the other driver uh, injured but not taken to the hospital. Learning from veterans and the stories they have to share. If we didn't have the veterans that we have today, if we didn't have these people, we wouldn't have this country. I, I feel like... Um, this freedom, we owe it to them. Diego Angiano is a member of Highland Middle School's National Junior Honor Society. The eighth grader was one of the organizers of a military appreciation tribute yesterday morning. Veterans who uh, came enjoyed meeting those kiddos. We've never seen a group of kids more dedicated and more patriotic towards the veterans than the kids here at Highlands Middle School, and they've been doing it for a long time. Bobby Dale served in Vietnam. Veterans who came out got a gift bag, free coffee. And some cookies. Morrow County Sheriff's Office asking for your help in locating an 81-year-old man known only as Ken. He's white, 5'9", 240 pounds, with gray hair, last seen wearing tan pants and red suspenders, a white shirt, and a baseball cap. Noted as driving a light blue 2011 Subaru Outback, Oregon license plate, 823-KDM, as in money. Ken has uh, medical issues and is without his medication. Please contact the county sheriff's office at 541-676-5317 if you see the individual or suspect the vehicle in question. A four-time world champion and six-time Olympic gold medalist toured the Kennewick Boys and Girls Club yesterday. You're not sure what might be happening in the home, but they would find that their home is here and that they're able to share and know that uh, someone here to care about them. Jackie Joyner Kersey says she's a former club youth herself. Not just doing the sports part of it, but working with people, respecting authority, coming in and having someone to care about you uh, beyond. She also attended the club's annual dinner with friends fundraiser at Three Rivers Convention Center. The FBI adding $15,000 to a Crime Stoppers of Oregon reward for information that leads to an arrest and conviction in the murder of D'Angelo McDonald. He was killed in a shooting back in June of 2020 in a staircase near Northeast 162nd and Hoyt Street. 
Investigators say the suspect was a black individual in his 20s, six feet tall with a thin build and possibly braided hair. He was wearing light, multicolored top jacket, dark or black pants, a light-colored hat, and left in a blue or gray Ford Crown Victoria sedan. This is the fourth reward offered by the FBI on behalf of the Metro Safe Streets Task Force. The total reward, now $17,500. An 11-year-old who was taken into custody along with five other people this week near Salem following a pursuit of a stolen vehicle was also connected to a violent crime spree up in Portland. The suspect was with a group that's accused of a string of crimes that include stealing vehicles, shooting at houses, and robbing people at gunpoint. Portland police charged and then released the 11-year-old because the child was too young to be booked. In Marion County, the uh, child is charged with robbery, unlawful possession of a gun, and unauthorized use of a motor vehicle. Coming up, we're talking with NBC News Radio correspondent Michael Bauer about the annual debate that goes on over whether or not we really need daylight savings time. Because, of course, many across the country will be falling back an hour this weekend. You're listening to the Kona News Podcast, courtesy of News Radio 610 KONA. The Kona News Podcast continuing. It's an abridged version of the Tri-Cities Morning News heard Monday through Friday between 6 a.m. and 10 a.m. on News Radio 610 KONA in the beautiful Tri-Cities, Washington. We've got NBC News correspondent Michael Bauer on the line now. Michael, I think a lot of people love this weekend, specifically because this weekend we fall back, at least most of the United States falls back, and a lot of us gain an hour of sleep. But daylight savings, this is something that has a lot of controversy here in the Northwest and even controversy in D.C. Yeah, there's there's controversy. First of all, I'll say this. There's controversy all over America when it comes to the, I call it, antiquated and, and probably pretty disruptive ritual of changing our clocks twice a year. You know, we get at one point in time this week, as you pointed out, it's my favorite weekend because I gain, even though you and I, everybody in radio at this hour of the morning, get up super early in the morning, so... It doesn't feel like we're getting a ton of sleep, but I get an extra hour of sleep that I hadn't counted on, and that's a bonus to me. One extra added bonus for me personally is that if you're out on Saturday night, you get an extra hour of last call. So there's a plus there as well. But really what this is all about is a. it started off as a joke. This was something Benjamin Franklin talked about, wrote a letter when he was living in France to the authors of the Journal of Paris suggesting, hey, you know what you French people could do? You could probably save some money on candle usage if you just got up an extra hour early. Use the sunshine instead of the candles. And ha, 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 237 years later, we have 75 countries using daylight saving time in 2021. We have 68 countries that stopped using daylight saving time. And now 106 have never even used daylight saving time. So, and in the United States itself, We've only got 48 states participating in daylight saving time. Arizona and Hawaii are off the map on that. And even within some of the states that see, that observe daylight saving time, you have Amish communities and other places that don't. You've got American territories in Samoa, Guam, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands that don't observe daylight saving time. So it's not like it's happening all across the globe. 
In fact, it's kind of an antiquated system just in the process of back when Germany in eight, 1918 is sort of a wartime effort to save an hour's worth of fuel, gas or oil each day to light lamps and cold to heat homes. They put that into play. We saw the same thing happen. We started doing that same kind of a situation. And now we're going, we have almost Every house has air conditioning. Apartment buildings have air conditioning. We have tablets that operate our Nest system on our tablets that require energy to use. We're not in the same place we were when it came time for concerns for energy usage going back to World War I. So why do we continue doing this? And there are pros and cons. Don't get me wrong. Daylight saving time has the longer daylight hours at night, right? You get that extra hour at night. It also provides lower accident rates for car driving. It lowers the risk of pedestrians getting hit by a car. It means more people are out shopping after work, increasing retail sales, and it promotes active lifestyles. You can have a late tea time and still get all 18 holes in before the sun goes down. But it also is bad for our health. And this bouncing back and forth part, you can have at least in one study that found that day after, Monday and Tuesday, following the day that we change in the springtime, those two days get an increase of heart attacks by 10% because of that springtime change. And get this, somebody studied this, $1.7 billion in lost opportunity cost based on average hourly wages comes from literally the 10 minutes it takes us all to change our clocks twice a year, whether it be at home or at work, that is a loss of productivity that Americans see each and every year. Real quickly here, Mike, is this something then that you see being ultimately hammered out at the federal level or at the more local levels in the states or maybe even municipal or in county jurisdictions where we've seen examples, as you mentioned, Arizona and Hawaii? Well, we've seen in the, yeah, in some of those cases, look, under federal law, states are not allowed to opt out of daylight saving time and then remain on standard time. They, they, they technically can opt out of daylight saving time, but they're not allowed to remain on daylight time on their own, not without a federal law stating so. So many states have passed measures to stay on daylight saving time permanently. Some have called that the lock the clock. What we saw from Marco Rubio and Ed Markey, two people that were very interested in getting a uh, Sunshine Protection Act passed back in 2018 to make daylight time permanent. Nineteen states have signed on for that, but they're waiting to see if this is something that federal law can really take a look at. There was nobody supporting that. No senatorial co-sponsors of the original version filed in 2018 until yesterday. Former governor, now Senator Rick Scott, has sort of followed this up. So there's, again, a little bit of a push for it. We'll see if it gets any more attention. It certainly deserves it. All right, Michael, enjoy your extra hour. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us on the Tri-Cities Morning News. It's the Kona News Podcast, brought to you by News Radio 610 KONA, an abridged version of the Tri Cities Morning News. There's a lot going on in the world today. We'll take a look at it with some national and international headlines. I'm Derek Maselli. And I'm Glenn Vaughan. Friends, family, and dignitaries will eulogize former Secretary of State and retired Military Army General Colin Powell in D.C. today. ABC's Martha Raddatz is one of those on the scene at the National Cathedral looking back on Powell's life. While he did have a very distinguished career that was tarnished by his support of the Iraq war and using faulty intelligence, he said that was a huge mistake. But I think what everyone remembers Colin Powell for are his rules to live by. He had 13 of them. Here are a few of them. Check small things, share credit, remain calm, have a vision, and be kind. Once again, that was ABC's Martha Raddatz in D.C.
Still no official finding of fault in last month's fatal shooting on a movie set in New Mexico, but ABC's Jim Ryan says fingers are being pointed in nearly every direction. On a September 24th podcast, movie set armorer Hannah Gutierrez-Reed said she was initially reluctant to take the job, but her lawyer Jason Bowles insists that she was extremely safety conscious once she was on the set of the movie Rust. She repeatedly asked for more training days to train the actors in the use of firearms, firearm safety. He says Gutierrez-Reed had a 30-minute session with actor Alec Baldwin before the fatal shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins during rehearsal. Jim Ryan, ABC News. A grieving widow says she's horrified and furious about how her husband's body was put to use. ABC's Jim Ryan has more. Before he died at age 98, David Saunders of Louisiana made clear that he wanted his body used in the advancement of science. Nearby LSU turned down the offer because Saunders had succumbed to COVID. There was a risk of transmission even from his corpse. His widow, Elsie, was put in touch with MedEd Labs of Las Vegas, which handed off the body to a company called Death Science. On October 17th, David Saunders' body was dissected in Oregon in front of a hotel ballroom audience whose members had paid up to $500 per ticket. Elsie Saunders says that's not what her husband would have wanted. Jim Ryan, ABC News. Celebrations today in Jerusalem in the halls of the new government. Less than five months after being sworn in, the groups of Ideologically diverse Israeli lawmakers have passed their most critical political test, passing a multi-year budget where failure would have actually triggered new elections. Dogged by critics who say he doesn't really have a, a mandate to lead Israel from such a small party of six, uh, Bennett there has surprised the naysayers and earned quite a bit of credibility after years of political deadlock. Bennett's government emerging as a source of stability. Here's ABC's Jordana Miller reporting from Jerusalem. Passing a second budget overnight, Israel's new young prime minister, Naftali Bennett, and his broad coalition proving they have staying power. Defying the skeptics, the diverse group spanning the political spectrum made compromises, stuck together, and prevented a general election. There's a new sense of political stability, even credibility here in Jerusalem for the first time in nearly three years. Former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on the losing end of all of this. He's confined to the opposition for the foreseeable future as his corruption trial continues to unfold. Jordana Miller, ABC News, Jerusalem. Iran staunchly denies its nuclear program for military purposes, and yet the regime keeps boasting about its new levels of uranium enrichment. Once again, here's ABC's Jordana Miller. Iran touting new milestones in its uranium enrichment production in what appears to be an attempt to pressure the U.S. and Europe ahead of a new round of nuclear talks on November 29th. In ever more flagrant violations of the 2015 nuclear deal, Iran now says it has 25 kilograms of 60% enriched uranium. That was forbidden under the nuclear deal since it's so close to 90% weaponization levels. Plus, Iran says its stockpile of 20% enriched uranium has reached 210 kilograms. That's nearly three times the latest estimate by UN inspectors. Jordana Miller, ABC News, Jerusalem. Calling out the Biden administration after OSHA announces fines for larger companies that don't go along with the vaccine mandate. One Washington Republican says that's just too much. I think that it's pretty un-American and the very definition of government overreach, command and control in our lives. 
Congresswoman Kathy McMorris-Rogers says that the eastern side of the state has already been hit very hard. Eastern Washington is already feeling the impact of these mandates, the real-world impact of vaccine mandates that were put in place in our state earlier. She says the medical industry in particular has been hit especially hard by these mandates. Idaho state leaders suing the Biden administration over those latest vaccine measures. Governor Brad Little announced the move late yesterday following the administration's announcement. Under the OSHA mandate, companies who fail to comply with that COVID vaccination testing requirement could face fines of up to $14,000 per violation. He's calling it a chance for Washington State University to take a step back. The attorney for fired Cougars head football coach Nick Rolovich outlining his appeal strategy. In a 34-page letter to the school's athletic director, Rolovich's attorney urged them to, quote, adopt a different posture towards Coach Rolovich before you and the university are forced to defend your conduct in the context of a federal court civil rights action, unquote. The letter goes on to say that, quote, WSU and Mr. Chun had a choice when Coach Rolovich raised a religious exemption to the governor's vaccine mandate, unquote. And instead of a fair hearing, they, quote, ran roughshod over their policies and Coach Rolovich's rights, unquote. Frank Cooper, News Radio 610, KONA. The numbers may be trending down when it comes to coronavirus here in Benton and Franklin counties, but young people are still getting sick. In Benton and Franklin counties, uh, we continue to see our highest rates uh, in school age children among those age 14 to 19. BFHD Health Officer Dr. Amy Person at a news conference yesterday. The Spokane County Sheriff's Office is making national headlines after including a spelling error in its new recruitment ads in New York City's Times Square. The video ad reads that the office is hiring 40 lateral officers and a with a $15,000 hiring bonus. However, it somehow misspells Washington State. Sheriff Ozikinezovich says the advertising company was working to correct that problem. His department is looking to possibly fill the open positions with officers booted elsewhere over vaccine mandates for his deputies. COVID-19 vaccinations are optional. A new year and four new board members joining Visit Tri-Cities. I am happy to announce that the slate of candidates were unanimously elected by electronic vote of the membership, which took place earlier this month. Congratulations to our new and re-elected board members. First Vice Chair Corey Pearson announced newcomers Robert Franklin from the B Reactor Museum Association, Jose Iniguez from Encanto or Encanto Arts, Trish Heron from Battelle, and Vivian Terrell of Honey Baked Hamco. The Washington State Patrol is replacing its longtime staff psychologist in response to concerns over potential hiring bias. The move comes after an investigation by the Seattle Times and Northwest News Network found evidence the State Patrol psychology screening is disproportionately rejecting applicants of color. The Times says Washington State Patrol troopers are 90% male and 87% white as of last year. Staff psychologist Daniel Clark performed the candidate screenings at the agency for the past 27 years. WSP excuse me, has temporarily brought in an outside contractor to perform the required psychological evaluations for trooper candidates. A search underway in Yakima and Kittitas counties for a deputy fire chief from Seattle. Jay Schreckenghost was staying at the Squaw Rock Resort when he went missing. He arrived earlier this week on Tuesday and texted his wife. 
His vehicle was then later found in Kittitas County. There's really not a whole lot, uh, much more information available right now, but a group of firefighters from Seattle has traveled there to help with the search and rescue effort. There's been another installment of the Kona News podcast, an abridged version of what you hear weekday mornings on the Tri-Cities Morning News. Make sure you listen in regularly for all this, plus the extra content that you don't hear in the podcast, such as BT Trivia, additional news stories and interviews. Derek Maselli saying thanks for listening.